This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. The meaning of life. Pretty big topic. When Tim told me that, the first thing that came to my mind was catechism. Now, in the Methodist Church, we don't have a catechism. We have a statement of beliefs, but there have been catechisms in various denominations through the centuries. Perhaps the most famous one is called the Westminster Catechism. Uh, It was developed in the mid-1600s by English and Scottish theologians, so they'd have some unified plan to present to people who were becoming Christians and who were growing in the faith. Now we often quote from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Still has about 111 questions and answers, so it's not all that short, but it is important. And it's usually set up in this question and answer kind of style. The first question in the shorter catechism is this. What is the chief end of man? What's the purpose? Why are we here? What is our job? The answer is this. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Now I think that's kind of unusual coming out of the mid-1600s. We'd think of a more negative presentation. Perhaps we'd, we'd think of fire and brimstone. We might think of the don't do kind of religion. But here's a beautiful word from way back then. To glorify God, which means to worship, to adore, to honor. To glorify God, which is what we're doing this morning. And to enjoy Him forever. Now, how in the world can we enjoy God forever? Well, because we get to God through Jesus, I think it has to do with having a relationship with Jesus Christ. A close, personal, intimate relationship, and not just a head relationship. When the early Methodists met in their classes and bands, there was a question that was always asked, and it was this. How is it with your soul? Now, if somebody asked us that today, we'd probably take two or three steps back. But it's still a good question. How is it with your soul? How how is your relationship with Jesus Christ? I want to mention quickly three possible responses, and I'm sure there are many others. But the first one is this. I don't have a relationship. My religion is perfunctory. I, I come to church when it's convenient. I give out of my excess, not out of my sacrifice. The second one is this, I believe in Jesus Christ. I have accepted him intellectually. I've given intellectual assent to his cause and I will follow him. That's where so many in the church are. And then comes the third response, I am growing in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I attend worship. I attend studies, I read the Holy Scripture, I think about God, I think about my relationship, I speak to Jesus often during the day with a simple prayer. John Wesley, the founder of our denomination, really lived response number two for the first part of his life, 35 years. Wesley was a priest in the Church of England. And yet he accepted all of that intellectually about Jesus, but he never had had a heart for it. Some people say he wasn't saved till that happened when he was 
uh, 35 years old. I don't believe that. I think he was saved back there earlier when he said with his mind and his heart, I believe in Jesus Christ and I will follow him. I think that's where our salvation comes from. In that moment, we make that confession of faith. We are saved. We're made right with God. But there's another part of this that goes beyond that, and that is to have that deep personal relationship with him. And that didn't happen to John Wesley until May 24, 1738. He said in his journal that he went to a prayer meeting, Bible study, reluctantly. It was at a place called Aldersgate Street. And there, when he got there, he found a layperson reading Martin Luther's preface to the book of Romans. Now, I've read that several times, and it's not all that awe-inspiring, to tell you the truth. But something happened to him there, because Luther was saying in that, we're saved not by our good works. Good works are important. They're a way to say thank you to God for all he's done for us. But good works won't get us to heaven. We're saved by putting our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. To say it simply, I believe in Jesus Christ and I will follow him. Well, friends, that's an, that's an important word. But John Wesley had lived that, but now something happened. He heard all of that, and it, for the first time he owned it. It was his personally. And so he wrote in his journal, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did know Christ, Christ alone for my salvation. And an assurance was given me that he'd taken away my sins, even mine, and had saved me from the law of sin and death. Suddenly he was a changed man. Not that he never had any more problems in his life, he did. But up until that time, there had been no power in his ministry. At that time and from there on, there was such great power that he changed the faith of England. And he changed the faith of so many other places in the world, including the United States. Friends, when we have that personal relationship, religion means something to us. Someone has said that Christianity is more than a religion, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. And if we miss that part, if we simply say, I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm going to try to follow him, that's certainly a step in the right direction. But if we're going to really enjoy our religion, if we're going to really glorify God and enjoy him forever, we've got to have something more than that. We've got to have some intimacy, some, some emotion, some feel about it all. That brings me to the text. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, as Ellen said. He was hated because he was collecting taxes from fellow Jews for the Roman government. And he may have been skimming a little off the top as well. That often took place with those tax collectors in that day. But he heard about this man who was a, a master teacher and a healer, and he just wanted to get a glimpse of him. He just wanted to have some contact with him. So... The Bible says he climbed up in a sycamore tree because he was short in stature. And I think that was part of it. I also think he was so hated he did not want to be in a mob on ground level. I mean, after all, there were zealots there. There were people who were called Zakari, meaning dagger, and they would have loved to walked up beside him and slipped a dagger between his ribs and watched him die. So I think he climbed that, that tree for a couple of reasons. Certainly he was short in stature. But up there, in my mind's eye, 
I can see Jesus passing, talking to people, and he, he gets past that tree and he turns back and he says, Zacchaeus, well, you know that had to shock him. Jesus knew his name. Zacchaeus, come down because I'm going to your house today. And everybody who heard it and saw it said, oh, that's terrible. Look what Jesus is doing, Go with, going with a sinner to have dinner in his home. And Zacchaeus knew what, what an honor it was and what an intimate act it was to dine together and to be in, one, to be in his house. And he said, Lord, half of my goods I'll give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. That's a change. Here was a man who was greedy, loved his money. Now he's willing to give half of it away. Now he wants to restore anything he's done wrong fourfold. Zacchaeus encountered Jesus, and it was a powerful encounter, a personal encounter. <laughs> Ellen and I were talking a little earlier. How many of you remember the little song about Zacchaeus? Help me. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in a tree. Get ready for your part. And he said, For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Well, some of you went to Sunday school and Bible school. <laughs> God bless your mothers and fathers and grandparents. And for those of you who are mothers and dads now and grandparents, go thou and do likewise. <laughs> An important little song, important little story about one who was outside of the faith but came into the faith and suddenly was transformed. Well, I'm going to give you the sermon title. Are you willing to go out on a limb? <laughs> Zacchaeus was. And it made his life entirely different from what it had been. Someone has said that there is within all of us a God-shaped hole. And unless we fill it with God, with Christ, our life will never have its full meaning. St. Augustine said a long time ago, God has made us for his own, and we can find no rest until we find rest in him. There's that hunger. Life will never be what it was meant to be unless we can glorify God and enjoy him forever. Bishop Gerald Kennedy was a bishop in the United Methodist Church in the 1960s. He was out in California, and he told the story about having a meeting in New York City and deciding to take a couple of extra days so he could go to a couple of Broadway plays. And the one he really wanted to go to was Hello, Dolly, starring Ginger Rogers, 1965. <laughs> he said that on the evening of that, that play, he got to the auditorium, the theater, early because it was beginning to snow. And he said others must have had the same idea because the whole place filled up and it was still like 7.30, quarter to 8. And he said 8 o'clock came and 8.10 and 8.15 and finally the stage manager came on and said, we've, we've been in contact with Ginger Rogers. She's on her way, but the snow is hampering her getting here. But she's coming. And he said, for those of you who feel like you can't stay, we'll refund your money at the box office. 
And Kennedy said that uh, about 20% of the people left, but the rest of them stayed. And they began to talk. And while they were talking, some stage hands came out and did some little repairs on the furniture. A maid came out and scrubbed a couple of stains on the, on the stage floor. And then she began dusting. And Kennedy said, I, I noticed she, she, her mouth was moving. And I thought, well, she's probably singing a little song. And he said, after a while, the first few rows got quiet. And then the next few rows. And then it came to his section. And he said they could all hear her singing. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling calling for you and for me. And he said she suddenly heard other people singing it with her, so it shocked her, and she turned around and looked, and then she gave him a great big smile, and she went right on singing. And Kennedy said it was a miracle. It was a miracle to watch those folks in New York City in that theater, pretty much perhaps a secular group, and yet they all began to join in. <laughs> come home, come home. All ye who are weary, come on. And he said it was such a, a miracle moment. People were wiping their eyes. And he said what it said to me was, there is in all of us this hunger to enjoy our Lord forever. But again, I say we can't do that without that personal relationship. I think God is calling us to that. In Revelation 3.20 it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus speaking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open the door, I will come in and I will make my home with you. I want to tell you, Christianity is more than a religion. It's a relationship. I want you to know that if we're going to enjoy our Lord forever, it means having some contact with Him, some intimacy with Him. Being able to pray at a drop of a hat, being able to read our scriptures, think about that. It doesn't mean that we sit in a room all day long and look at the book and, and pray. It means as we go about our activities to enjoy Him, to ask for direction, to ask for help, to pray for others. So I, I would ask you this old Methodist question this morning. <laughs> How is it with your soul? Where are you in that relationship? No relationship, an intellectual relationship, or an intimate personal relationship? I would call you to climb higher like old Zacchaeus. Go out on a limb. There's a wonderful poem that's meant a lot to me through the years. And I shared it with you here some time ago, but I want to close with it. I walked life's way with a careless tread. I followed where comforts and pleasures led, till at last one day in a quiet place, I met the master face to face. I reared my castles and I built them high till their turrets touched the blue of the sky, and I vowed to rule with an iron mace till I met the master face to face. I met him and knew him and blushed to see that his eyes in pity were fixed on me. I faltered and fell at his feet that day, and my castles, they melted and vanished away. They melted and vanished, and in their place I saw naught else but the master's face. I cried aloud, oh, make me meet to follow the path of thy bruised feet. 
My care is now for the souls of men. I've lost my life to find it again. Ere since that day in a quiet place, when I met the Master face to face. This morning as we celebrate Holy Communion, it's a great place to come and meet the Master. Good place to kneel after you receive the elements or to go back to your pew and have a time of prayer. But to think about your relationship with Him, is it, is it no relationship? Is it, is it an intellectual relationship? Or is it the full-blown, personal, intimate relationship that we all need? Communion goes by three names. One, of course, is the Lord's Supper. That's such an appropriate name on Monday, Thursday, and it wasn't that long ago that we celebrated that. Sometimes called the Eucharist, which means Thanksgiving. There are all times during the year when that's very appropriate. But at a moment like this, I think Holy Communion is such a wonderful name to come and commune with our Lord and say, I want a closer walk with you. I know I've got that God hole in my heart. I want a closer relationship with you. Friends, it's so easy to say, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it later. There's a little story in the mold of the screw tape letters, though it didn't come from that, about Satan talking to three of his little demons who were about to graduate. And he said to the first one, how are you going to corrupt people? And the first one said, I'm going to tell them there's no God. And the devil said, that's ridiculous. People know that there's something behind all this. It just didn't happen. There is a creator, a, a prime mover. He said, you'll be a failure. So he looked at the second one, and the second one said, I'm going to tell them there's no heaven. And the devil said, you'll fail too, because down deep, everybody knows there's got to be more than this. Everyone knows that this life is so short, there's more. The third little demon looked up, he said, I'm not going to tell them there's no God, and I'm certainly not going to tell them there's no heaven. I'm just going to tell them there's no hurry. Amen.